I will now turn the session over to Jody, who will be facilitating the workshop. Thank you, Rachel. Hi, everybody. My name is Jody, as I said, and I will be your facilitator for this workshop. The format of today's workshop is a speaker panel. And um, the name of the workshop is OA Members Come in All Sizes, which is the name of an OA pamphlet. So as you probably know, there are many kinds of compulsive overeaters. The regular garden variety overeater who does not restrict nor uh, purge in any way. And then there are those of us who find ways to control our weight in unhealthy ways usually. So we have um, Betsy H here and Teresa P, I believe, Betsy is from Marina, California, and she will be our first participant, our first presenter, and she'll be sharing her experience, strength, and hope for 15 to 20 minutes. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Jody. Hi, everyone. My name is Betsy H. I'm a, a recovered compulsive reader in California. I'm grateful to be here along with a, a large group of my fellows, my fellow travelers in recovery. First, I'll talk a little bit about what it was like when I first started in my disease of compulsive reading. It was definitely very early in my childhood that I think I had, now as looking back, I would say I had like a brain malfunction happening early on, I would say. My brain was not working in a healthy way, in a, in a normal way. And I say that because I was, had so much fear and anxiety all the time. I was so terrified to talk to people, to do things, to try new things. And I was also tended to have resentment to just build up, get angry. And it would, I would hold on to it. And along with that, I was obsessed with food even from a very young age. My mother, I would say, was an untreated compulsive overeater. She is not, no longer living, but she also did not find recovery, unfortunately, when she was living. And so she was always trying to control my weight. I was, I was an overweight child, not the most overweight that I could be, but enough that my mother, my grandmother would be trying to find ways for me to lose weight. They wanted me to go to a camp for overweight kids. They wanted to, they were putting me on diets, stuff like that. And my parents tried to control food from an early, from early on. Obviously it was kind of a big issue in our house. They made a rule that desserts could only be on weekends. We couldn't have them during the week. And so what I would do is I would get home from school and no one would be there because my parents would be at work and my sister was still at, at her school, I would go and find all that, those hidden desserts. And that became my biggest binge food, you know, dessert foods, which tend to be high sugar, high fat, and often flour containing substances. I would just be, you know, looking for those foods and taking as much of the ice cream as I could but trying to make it look like nothing had been taken from the container, you know, finding the hidden cookies and chocolates and stuff like that. 
it became the way that I dealt with all this anxiety I felt, although I wasn't conscious of it at the time. It's only in retrospect, getting more clarity now being in recovery. I can see like, I am somebody that it, it seems that my emotions tend to build up and it tends to be negative emotions for me, like fear, anxiety, resentment, jealousy. And it, it, it builds up to this unmanageable level. And then my brain just says, Oh, go eat your binge foods. And it sounds like the best idea I've had all day, that insane disease thought. So that was my whole childhood, basically overeating, obsessed with food, afraid to live life, trying to control it. About age 13, I, I, I guess it was maybe my most successful period of time of trying to control my eating. I restricted so much. I went over to, it was more like an anorexic type situation for about six months where I got really skinny and I got a lot of positive attention for that. And I was completely nuts and completely obsessed with, okay, I'm not eating. I'm not eating. What am I not eating? After my parents and the doctor intervened saying you're too skinny, I started eating more to increase my weight and then very quickly went back into the overeating mode. And that is pretty much what I've had ever since then is a more of an overeater mode. I really haven't, you know, thank goodness been in like that restrictive type mode since that time. But what happened later is that when I was in college, I was in an unhealthy relationship with a boyfriend who turned out was an alcoholic. And I was trying to figure out how I could change him and make him to stop drinking. And so I went to Al-Anon and there I got some surprising advice, which was you, you attract the level that you're at. And I thought, how could this be? Cause he seems like he has so many problems and I really don't have that level of problems at all. But then it turns out I went to, you know, I kept going to Al-Anon and I kept wanting to adapt and those steps to see if they could help me with my problem with food and, and weight. So I was very obsessed with my weight and very obsessed with my food. So I met someone who was in OA and, and this other fellowship. So I started to attend OA. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to commit to it because it seemed like it might be a big commitment or a lot of work or something like that. But at some point I heard the speaker and I really wanted what she had. And I think what I really liked was that she was very happy and she was outgoing. She was, she was abstinent. She was in recovery and she was enjoying it. And that really inspired me. That was like the opposite of how I felt. I was isolating. I was buying bags of chocolate and eating them all myself. I was going to different stores to buy my binge foods to try to hide the fact that I was doing that. I was hiding it from my, my um, roommates in college. And I was full of anxiety and fear and self-hatred and just and it, an active food, uh, food addiction for me takes up so much energy. I spent so much time and energy eating the food, trying not to eat the food, regretting eating the food, hating myself for eating the food, trying to go exercise after eating the food. I did some excessive exercising to try to keep the weight down. And I was, I was also just naturally pretty active at that point. And I was, you know, young in my early twenties. And so I didn't have a whole lot of extra weight 
maybe at the top it was maybe about 35 pounds over, you know, what, what would be normal. But I definitely made up for that in craziness. I was completely crazy, just completely, my thinking was not working well. My life was not working well. I was very, very isolated. And my, most of my thoughts were self-hatred. And so I wasn't being of service to anyone. And it was, it was a definitely, I would say, a miserable way of being. And what happened was I finally did make that commitment to get, get a plan of eating, start working the steps in OA, and my life started to improve. I wasn't sure if I could do it. I, I got sick with mono that quarter at school too, the same time I got absent. And I thought, oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to have to drop out of school. How could I possibly go to meetings, do my program, and then recover from this illness, and then also do my schoolwork? It turns out that I was able to finish my classes. I was able to have time to do everything. And it was just my mind that told me that there's not enough time for everything. What I found was that when I put my OA recovery program first, everything else got squared away after that in the rest of my life. So I went on like that for many years. I was, I was abstaining from my biggest binge foods, but then I never really learned to work the steps that much. I mean, I did, I did do the steps, but then I didn't get the message that for me, I needed to work the steps like every day to stop this buildup of emotions. And so what happened was I would only do a 10 step when I knew I really screwed up and I needed to make amends to someone because I just would blurt out something in a work meeting because the anxiety would get so high and I would just blurt out things because I just, I just couldn't handle it. And then and it would be negative, of course, and I'd have to, I know I would have to make amends or I'd make some other kind of screw up. Then I would do the 10 step. And it didn't work too well for me that way because I found like that my levels of fear of anxiety and resentment were just higher and higher. And although I wasn't eating my main binge foods, I was starting to do strange things with other types of foods that were kind of like substitutes for my favorite binge foods. So basically other foods started to become a problem for me and I started to get obsessed with them and eat them more and more often. And during this time, I, I was maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 pounds overweight, you know, pretty normal. I felt, you know, pretty okay with that. But internally I was starting to feel miserable again. And for me, I found the missing component was I wasn't working the steps enough each day. And so in August, 2013, I started attending some online or some phone meetings where they study the big book. It's called the vision for you big book study. It's a meeting that meets six days a week on the phone. And I, I learned a whole new level of recovery was possible where you could be like what they say in the big book, happy, joyous, and free. And so I became, after listening for a while, I became aware that, yeah, I'm doing some strange things with food here. Even though I'm not eating my biggest binge foods, I'm having to go to the store and buy like two, for me, it was like, um, like energy bars. And I would have to eat them right in the car. I couldn't wait to get home, you know, just because I needed a snack. And for me, those foods were similar to my main binge foods. They weren't quite the same, but they were similar. And I was starting to get obsessed with them. And 
I knew I could not get buy a box of them and have them in the house because I would just have to eat them at every meal and have snacks. And so basically, after a while of attending this big book study, I became willing to, to let go of some additional foods and eating behaviors that were causing me uncontrollable cravings for more. Foods that I was constantly negotiating over, foods that I was constantly trying to control. And although it's, it's definitely, you know, for me, it's rough when I give up one of my addictive, something I'm addicted to, but it, it became a relief not to be spending all that energy on that. And it became like more of a feeling of freedom when coupled with working the 12 steps. As one of our OA fellows says, and you know, pretty much everything I say here is just because I've heard someone else say it, but I love some of our OA fellows who are so articulate. And one of them says, put down the food and work the 12 steps all day, every day. It sounds hard, but actually it's just a skill to learn. And it doesn't take that much time to work the steps all day, every day. It's just learning a new skill set because I learned the old skill set pretty well, which was to eat food all day, every day. I was like a grazer and use food. You know, I would go, my skill set was, okay, I've, I feel weird, go eat food. I feel bored, go eat food. I'm feeling embarrassed, go eat food. I'm feeling overexcited, something great just happened. And I don't know what to do with all this energy, go eat food. That was my skill set. So it was, it was a matter of changing that to learning, putting down the food um, and then working the steps every day. And I got a food plan from a health professional. And I was able to define a little bit more with more clarity, like, okay, what is abstinence and what is not abstinent? And that was important to me. I decided to start measuring and or weighing my food because it's a bit more scientific and because my brain can play tricks on me. Like my brain could tell me like, oh, this is, oh, that's not enough food. You need to eat more. Oh, you're so much hungry. You need more. Or on the other side, on the other hand, my brain can also say, oh, that was way too much. You ate too much. You screwed up. So, and I can be obsessive both ways that, that way. So it, it has been a helpful tool for me to like get a little bit more scientific with the food, getting the plan from the professional. And today I have a plan of eating that works for me. And it works with my personal preference because there are some foods that I avoid for health reasons. I don't avoid them for, because they don't cause me uncontrollable cravings for more. And just, um, just because I'm in the program, it's given me the power to avoid some foods for personal preference. And this has made it easy to maintain a healthy body weight. And now I have like, it's, it, the result has been that I'm a little bit uh, thinner than most people in the U.S. And, that, and I feel that my plan of eating has enhanced my health. So I'm very happy with that. So now people that meet me, it's not just hard for them to believe when I tell them that I'm an overeater. Because they say, but you're not overweight, you're skinny. And naturally, that's how it's going to be. You know, if we want long-term abstinence, we get long-term we get long-term abstinence. We're going to be in a normal-sized body weight at some point, and then we're going to meet new people that never knew us when we had more weight, or 
you know, no, now I meet people that never saw me doing my crazy food behaviors of the past. So, you know, sometimes it's hard for them to fathom that, I guess. I guess because they don't have, a lot of people don't have experience in seeing overeaters who do recover and then who, who aren't, uh, who just go and, and to a normal body weight and stay there, which is definitely um, a blessing. To, to be able to do that, but it's un distressingly uncommon in in the world today. You know, it's it's more common than people would be yo-yoing. And they'd be always, like my mother, always on a diet, never really getting to where she wanted to be in terms of weight and always obsessed with the food. Um, so now, I'm, what I'm finding is that, as an OA fellow says, I'm either in steps or I'm in the food. And what I like to remind myself is, uh, is also is that, you know, no matter what happened yesterday, this morning, you know, here I am in this moment and I have a choice. I can either take a step towards recovery or I could take a step towards disease and addiction. And, you know, through the grace of the program, I haven't had to overeat in over five years. And I've worked the steps and I continue working the steps. And so it is that it has led me to a place where I don't have that level of misery and depression that I used to have before, which I'm very grateful about. I still feel that I have like a brain malfunction happening quite often. And, and when I do that, when I have that, like my brain will go towards really negative thoughts, pessimism fear, anxiety, resentment, that type of thing. And so, you know, when that happens, I, I take some action on those steps. And what I find is that, although I wasn't aware of this consciously before, I think my natural default is that I don't feel very good in my brain. I don't feel very happy in this world. I don't feel part of people, of groups. I don't feel good enough. Um, I feel judgmental of myself and others, which is, you know, it's like a miserable way of feeling. And in order to get out of that default, that is what I use the steps for. And then, you know, if I'm involved with being of service to others and doing my own 10 steps, in other words, working the, working the steps on my own issues that come up, then that is where I have the greatest degree of freedom from food obsession. Now, for me, I find that it can easily come back. I can easily be getting excited about my meals. You know, I could have food thoughts, that type of thing. I could start resenting. I start getting pissed off at someone. So when that happens, I just, you know, the cure to me is to take some action on the steps and, and together with my fellow OAs. Because for me, my disease was a lot of food addiction is a lot about isolation and it's also about lying. And my recovery is about telling the truth and it's about being in fellowship with my fellow OA travelers, which are all of you guys. I don't find that I really recover on my own. I have to reach out and, you know, work the steps with someone else and I have to be of service to someone else. And, and that actually is not all that hard. Even just calling another OA person is a great service to do. It gets me out of myself and it helps to 
perhaps to get that other OA person out of their isolation for that moment. So with that, that is my story so far. And I did not have as much weight to lose as some in the program. But it, the thing is, I have this disease. And if I were to go back to compulsive overeating, God forbid, I'm sure I would have the extra weight because this disease is so progressive. So, you know, I got into the program really relatively young. I was 20, now I'm 45. I had varying levels of recovery in between then and now. But um, the thing is that the program, this is a very tough disease of food addiction, but this, this program of 12 steps really is very effective. And I, I, I felt like it has brought me to a much higher level of purpose and happiness today. And I think with that, I will, I will pass and let the next person share. And maybe we can talk more in the rest of the workshop. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, wonderful. Okay, Teresa P. is our next presenter. Teresa is a longtime member of Overeaters Anonymous with uh, years of recovery now. Teresa, are you there? Hi, I'm Teresa. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm a grateful um, recovered compulsive overeater. And you know, and I was, I was grateful so much from the very start because when I got into Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I, I learned I had a disease and that was so freeing to me. I have been a compulsive overeater as far back as I can remember as a little kid. I mean, there is no time when I wasn't thinking about how am I going to get food, especially sugar, you know, and how, or how can I stay away from it? And I remember even as a little girl, I mean, like I was five or six and just drawn to the um, refrigerator like a magnet and you know, got that cake was in there, had that colored frosting on it. And, and I knew mom said, don't touch it. And I wanted, I really wanted to be a good little girl. I tried really hard not to do it, but I couldn't help myself. I mean, I got drawn in there and I was picking at it, just tried it a little bit. And I just, but you know, disease was stronger than me. It's always been more powerful than me. And uh, so then, you know, I, I remember also my mom taking me to, you know, buy me clothes at this, you know, nice store. And, uh, but I looked at myself and, and I wasn't that much overweight and I was just, and I wasn't really a fat eater, but I did not like myself. I looked in the mirror and I, I did not like myself. It's not happy with myself. I was, you know, six, seven years old. And, you know, and I also started the, the diets, right? You know, okay, let's, you know, stop eating the food, looking in those magazines, you know, trying the diets and, you know, and, and I would, they would last a couple of hours or a couple of days, but I could never stick to them. And uh, my best diet was, so the flu. The flu is good for 10 pounds. You get really sick, you throw up, you get rid of 10 pounds. The only problem with the flu diet is it's back. The pounds are back really, really quick, which always, you know, disappointed me. But it was uh, what amazed me was is I didn't need help in devising all these little ideas on how to um, lose weight. I, I was crazy right from the get go, and uh, I even thought about uh, bulimia, and I didn't know that was a problem. I mean, it just sounded like a great plan. I mean, my sister told me that you know these people used to 
you know, they were living in castles and they did all this food, but they just threw it all up. And I thought, hey, this is perfect. You can eat the food and get rid of it and not gain any weight. But I couldn't do it. I tried and I couldn't do it. And I'm very grateful that I couldn't because I've heard from a lot of people what a terrible disease that is. And so I always appreciate hearing um, uh, all the forms of disease because I need to hear it all because I'm crazy in this disease. I, I grew up in a, in a home with rip-roaring alcoholism. I, I heard about it from my mom. Her, her, her dad used to go out there and they'd be sh- the neighbors, they'd be shooting at one another. And I thought, gee, you know, we're lucky there's no guns going off in our home. My dad came home drunk, you know, I'd ran outside. My sister and I, we were a little, again, you know, five and six years old running out in the dark. And I was terrified of the dark, but believe me, and being in the house was scarier. And, uh, you know, but these diseases and, you know, and the, the, the food was always there, the compulsive overeating. And, and then just the plain old mental illness is there too. So all this stuff is craziness is there. And my favorite uh, form of mental illness is let's just um, uh, blank out. It's not happening. I remember trying to lose myself into the TV. I don't know what was going on, but if I could just focus on the TV, you know, enough, you know, it wouldn't be there. You know, that this wouldn't be happening. Wouldn't be, I could, I could save myself somehow. And, and I practiced these things, you know, all my life. I didn't really realize how good I got at this delusion. until <laughs> so I got way older and found out, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of things that are going on. People would say to me, this happened. I go, what did that happen? I didn't see that. I didn't see a whole lot of stuff. You know, it happened right in front of my face and I didn't see it. But I did see the food and I'd be thinking about the food and, and I'd be thinking about how could I get the food? How could I stay away from it? You know, and, and if you didn't want it, you know, I'll eat it. And, you know, I had this little friend uh, and she was skinny, of course, and, and she, had, she would eat one half of a sandwich. Who eats one half of a sandwich? I mean, I don't understand these things, you know, eat the whole thing, you know, here, bring another one and I'll eat it for you. And I just, I never understood that. Are people who take a bite of something and just put it down? Oh, I can't eat it anymore. I mean, what do these people come from? I don't understand that. They don't have the disease of compulsive overeating. I do. And I love talking to other compulsive overeaters. I love hearing the old war stories because I relate. And I got into here and I, I saw this beautiful woman and she was, I mean, she just glowed. And she was a normal weight, and, you know, and she was, you know, talking about, you know, her disease. But I remember her talking about how she dropped this muffin, and she picked it up off the ground and just brushed it off. And I thought, wow, I relate to that, just brush it off, you know. One of my things I thought of, how do you know something's bad, you know? Well, you know, what you do is you, you eat it, and if you get sick, it was bad, you know. If you, you don't get sick, it was good. Now, how sick is that? I mean, I had a whole lot of sick behaviors. And, you know, and it just, and it just went with me and it, you know, it didn't get any better. I thought if I could just get out of the house, I'll be okay. Well, I found a cute little guy. We got married off we went, you know, but now I was alone with the food and had control over it. This was really bad. And then the kids came, you know, and uh, it's just like, I'm overwhelmed. I had four kids in four years and I don't advise anybody to do that one. But, you know, I was, it was just, I didn't know what to do. And I just kept getting sicker and sicker and the weight kept going up. I, went through in high school, I was, you know, was around 155, you know, so I was kind of like a normal weight, not, not thin, but not really bad. But I got married and then it was, you know, 20 pounds. I'm fighting, you know, 20 pounds from after the first kid. And then I'm fighting 20 more pounds. And then a couple more years later, you know, we uh, came back out to move out and come back to California. And now, now I'm fighting more. Now I'm up to 200. I thought I'd never get to 200. I got to 200. And then I got to 225. And and then I had my uh, fourth child and I lost like 60 pounds. I'm back down to almost a normal weight. I got, oh man, I got this now. 
But then, you know, I started eating. One day decided like, oh, let's have a little, let's have a peanut butter, uh, no, let's have a butter sandwich, put some cinnamon on it. That'll be great. So I had six of those and that was it. And I was on the weight came again. And, and then I started getting awful stomach aches and I was making the very rounds of the doctor with that and just getting sicker and sicker. And the pain was with me the whole time and the doctors couldn't help me. They tried, but everything they did, nothing worked. And I had my skinny doctor tell me, and it's just like the marathon on my list. Then he just said, well, you don't just eat. If you just eat less, and I wanted to punch him out. I mean, gee whiz, don't you think if I could eat less, I would have done that one? But no, you know, but I kept trying. And then I ended up having to go to work, you know, and, you know, that was, that was harder too. And I just kept getting sicker and I could do less. And I was just, I got to the point where I could hardly move. I got up to 200. I remember the day I got my top weight that I remember, which was 253 pounds. It was New Year's Day. And I was, and I was like in deep shock because I thought I would never get this weight. I, and I felt that total incomprehensible demoralization. And I knew in that moment that there was no top weight for me. I mean, I was, I was going to go up and what am I going to do? And I didn't know, but I kept getting sicker. And the best thing that ever happened for me was I had a breakdown at work. My mind left my hands while I was actually driving to work. I couldn't feel my hands. I was like, oh my God, did they take me at the mental hospital? No, <laughs> but they did take me in al <laughs> And and I and I uh, got into program and that was great and that helped so much and I got in contact by going into twelve step programs I got in contact with who was more overweight than me and said hey I'm going to go to an OA meeting oh, what's that he said overeaters oh, anonymous I thought well, I want to do that because I knew program worked so I went to my first OA meeting and uh, and I was scared it was uh, and I had just come off of the Fourth of July you know where. One more time, you, know, you got to do the s'mores and the fireworks and all that stuff. But, you know, I was just hurting and nothing was helping. But I didn't want to give up the food. How am I going to, how am I going to stop eating? But I got in, got in there. I got to my first meeting and I heard, you know, it was a disease. I thought, okay, I've got a disease. And I knew what worked. You get a sponsor. So they said, get a sponsor. Okay, get a sponsor. I got a sponsor. And then she said she did no, uh, she did three meals a day, no chocolate, no sugar. So I was sh shocked, first of all, that, you know, uh, that I got to at least eat three meals a day. This is great. I get to eat. And then I knew the sugar was bothering me. Okay, so I'll just have to give that up. I don't know how I was going to do it. But then she asked the scariest thing of all. She said, and call me in the morning. What do you mean call? So I had to call her every day. And so I, I did that. And, you know, and, you know, I kept going to meetings, kept calling the sponsors, got different sponsors, worked the steps somewhat, but I kept going to meetings and kept calling the sponsor. And I, and I, and, and kept, you know, doing the, the, the food plan. And, and it evolved, and and then I gave my weight to God, and I was, uh, no, somewhere around a 250, whatever it was, anyway, so I kept losing weight, not fast, it took over a year to lose almost 100 pounds, but I did, and I got down to 157, and, uh, and I thought, and I was heading for, oh, let's go, let's go to 125, you know, I'm down there, but it stopped, I thought, what do you mean, God, you want me to do this, I mean, I wanted lower weight, but I got to let it go, and my life started and I got to make amends to my kids and my one daughter that I made amends to, what she wanted for amends was she wanted me to play with her kids. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. So I got to go play with the grandkids and, and, and I got to go back to school because I, I held a real severe resentment against my husband because it was all his fault that I didn't finish school. But I learned in program that, you know, I get to keep responsibility for myself. So I, I went back to school. I thought it, it's not easy, <laughs> but I could do it. And then, I had other dreams come up 
because this is a program of, of new beginnings and new life and resurrection. And uh, they always, they've been advertising the LA Marathon because I'm not, there's, you know, uh, by LA. And I, oh man, I always wanted to do a marathon all my life. How do you do a marathon at 250 pounds? Well, I wasn't 250 pounds anymore and I started walking. And then my daughter, my son did. And I thought, oh, I can do it. I can try it. And so in 2001, I did my first marathon and I walked it and I was my uh, 157 pounds. And I was definitely afraid of being alone in LA. And, and I was alone because they were all faster than me. And I found out they closed, they opened the springs back up. But, uh, you know, I, I did get, did finish in um, nine hours. And uh, thereafter that I did, I did the marathon up until uh, last year I retired from the marathon. And uh, so I did almost uh, 19 of those. And it was great. I loved doing it. It was like so freeing. And in one of the classes I didn't, uh, in this in school when i was doing my finishing my bachelor's degree was i did hiking backpacking so i'm out here hiking up these hills with a 50 pound back on my back as you carry everything even even the water as we were out in the desert and i could do all these things it was like so great i was gonna hike all the way from, you know do the john muir trail from you know you know the southern part of california all the way through up the coast and i never did do that but i did get to hike up half building yosemite and you know, someone, you know, very few people go, I thought I'd never be able to do that, did that. And the scariest part was when you go up the cables and I'm looking up there and I'm going, how am I going to get up those cables? And you go about one, one chain at a time. They got these poles stuck in or I'm hanging off of them going, oh my God, how am I going to do this? But I got up there, you know, and uh, I had all my pack foods with me and I got down and it was great. And then I got into, uh, Horses, I, the love of my life, and we actually have horse property, but, you know, I was riding horses at 240 pounds, and they're not riding them very well, let me tell you, I only walked and got, fell off and got hurt on them, too, but now I was, uh, I got uh, another horse, and I got too much horse for me, she was, but I loved her, my patches, and but she could canter beautifully, I could canter on that horse, it was like riding on a cloud, she was beautiful, pinto, tricolored pinto, but she got hurt, she got her eye hurt, and and uh, we had to put her down and it just broke my heart. But what I got to do is be with her. That's one of the things I've learned in program is to be with my, my friends and loved ones, you know, when they have troubles. And I got to hold her little hook while she, you know, was in the process of dying. It broke my heart and I cried and cried. And, but I got to be with her. And another little friend that I had to let go of was my little Chihuahua. He was my little best friend. He was only three pounds. And I loved him. He showed me what God was. And, and, uh, you know, I looked at him and, and he loved me so much and he would run around and had a little tail up in his ear and he'd just run around and be so happy. I thought, and I'd get all these warm fuzzies when I saw him. I thought, and I had that spiritual revelation. Is this, this is what God thought of me. God loved me. God gets warm fuzzies when he sees me. And I thought, oh, this is so good. I have the God of the warm fuzzies. So that's the God I'm king. So if you don't have a God of warm fuzzies, you're welcome to take mine because I love my God and he's, and he's full of smiles and jokes and love, and he gets warm fuzzies when he sees me. And, you know, today I get to do so many wonderful things. I have another horse now, and I got to take my uh, riding lessons and learn how to ride uh, even better. And I was going to do parades and, and stuff. I didn't get to that, but I did get out down to the riverbed. And right there was a lifetime dream. And, uh, but then I got, I started getting sick and uh, last year, I had a lot of things come up besides age, you know, I got there like, I'm like 70 years old now and you know, things out catch up with you. But what I get to do, my program comes with me wherever I go. So I get to be, you know, here, you know, with, 
with, uh, you know, with programming. And I get to take my tools with me. I get to take the steps with me. I get to take all of you with me. And one of the things I found in 2017 was uh, a vision for you, which was a really awesome part of my recovery. But before that, 10 years before that, I found how. And how was great, too, because how, the how program told me about the flour. I didn't know I was allergic to flour. I was eating 10 biscuits, but I didn't know I was allergic to flour. So when I quit eating the flour, I dropped from 157 down to 130. It's just like, you know, it's just like, you know, if you drop the addictive foods, the allergy foods, man, I didn't have the craving for them. I would lose the weight. Three more and minutes, Teresa. Is Three that a five minute warning? Three minute warning? Three minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, so I, I, I dropped that weight, you know, and I'm, you know, out here doing, you know, more things, so, you know, with the grandkids and my, my sons, my daughters and my husband and um got to have a whole brand new relationship with my husband too. I got to, because program helped me do that, especially with a, a vision for you. What I love about it is I got there and they, they do the big book. And I love the big book. It's simple. It's right to the point. It doesn't, you know, paint no pretty pictures. It gives me the facts and it tells them to me over and over again. And it's all about, you know, I don't have to figure anything out. It's all in the book. Just read the book and just do the steps. And I went through the steps, say with a big book sponsor, it was great. And now I work on a daily 10, 11, and 12, which keeps me sane on a daily basis. And I love doing 10 steps. And I, well, actually, I don't love doing them, but I love the way, may, the way may, they make me feel afterwards. Because when I'm feeling uncomfortable, I've got to, I can do a 10 step and release it. I love my 11 step. I do, I've done 11 steps, so, you know, my entire time in program. It's just like, I don't, that's the first thing I do is my bird meditation. And I do, uh, and I do my, um, Step 11 in the evening. It's great. And then, and 12, working with others. And the, the gift of my life is sharing this with other recovery, with other recovering compulsive users. Anybody, anybody in Overeaters Anonymous, anybody, anybody who's having a problem with food, because I relate, I've been there. I've almost died from this disease. It's terrible. It is permanent, progressive, and fatal. It, it is. I think it's the worst disease because it, it, it lies so well to us. It says, I'm your friend. I'm not, I'm going to hurt you. I'm not a shot of heroin. You know, I'm not ill. You know, you don't drive drunk on food. But let me tell you, you can drive pretty drunk on food as I have without taking a, without taking a drink because that food just, just clogs up my mind. And today I get to have uh, a new relationship with my, the love of my life. We've been married 49 years and I learned about, treating people with courtesy and kindness and especially loving tenderness. And I learned that when I share those things with another person, they share them back with me. And those 10 steps taught me how to look at myself and what's my part and not worry about what the other person did. I don't care if they did 99% of the, the damage. I get to look at my part and what can I change? And the one thing that I can change and work on is me. So with the help of God, I learned how to, how to, you know, God changes me. I get to say, okay, God, this is another mistake I'm making. You know, what can I do with this? And, and God takes all my messes and makes miracles out of it. So out of the mess of my life have come miracles. And I now have a, a very special and loving relationship with my husband. Wonderful loving relationships with my, with my children and the grandkids. And, and, you know, and I'm learning more and more to let go, let God. God has the plan. You know, I wake up every day and turn my life and will over, and then I run off and try the Teresa plan. And I very soon find out that the God plan is the one that's going to get done and get to go back. Okay, 
if if it, the door's on opening and the river's not flowing, it's the Teresa plan. Thank you, Teresa. <laughs> thank you. I when God's ha happening, it works. So thank you for letting me share it. Keep on coming back. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Betsy, both of you. Our time is about up, and I'll turn it over now back to Rachel. Okay, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, so now is the questions and or open sharing portion. Jody, do you decide which one we do, or is it both? I think we're, we'd love to have questions if anybody has a question. Thank you so much, what, both of you, just so inspiring. And I think you both referred to a vision for you and I'm just wondering about that. That sounds very powerful because both your shares were so powerful and inspiring. And um, just the things you said, messes to miracles and courtesy, kindness, loving tenderness, just working the steps daily. That's, you know, I try, you know, I read a lot of program stuff, but just, I, I never thought of it as working the steps daily. I mean, I do do my readings and I do my best, but you just sound, you both were inspiring to me. So I, I'm wondering is one of you mentioned that a phone meeting, I don't know if you're talking about the same meeting and I just would like more info on that. Thank you. Yes. There's a lot of good phone meetings available now, especially since the COVID shelter in place and Zoom meetings. The particular one that I really get a lot of benefit out of, one of them is a vision for you. It's a regular OA meeting, but the name of the meeting is a vision for you. And it meets six days a week on the phone. And also you can hear the recordings. They have a website where they keep the recordings. You can, you can Google that, OA, a vision for you. And then there, but there's a lot of them. Like there's another big book study called OA. It's an regular OA group again. It's called The Family Afterwards. It's a smaller meeting. It's in the afternoon, not the morning. And um, yeah, it's, it's really great to be able to go to all these meetings with, that aren't available locally because our local meetings are pretty small, but we can connect with people in other cities it's the technology is making it easier than ever for us to recover. Thank you, Betsy. I believe Teresa's talking about the same meeting as Betsy was. Uh, yes, uh, yes, I do uh, a vision for you meetings. I do regular OA meetings, you know, Zooming now. And, uh, and I do the a vision for you. Uh, I, I like those meetings as they focus on the, the big book. And I found tremendous strength and recovery there that has helped me grow immeasurably. And uh, it gives me a lot of um, spiritual food and strength. And uh, they, have, uh, they have a lot of recorded, they have hundreds, literally hundreds of recorded meetings. And um, one of the things I found, especially since uh, being at home a lot more and you know, having uh, uh, some physical limitations, that uh, I, I listen to them, especially now that I've I've had this problem of getting up in the middle of the night uh, or, you know, having trouble sleeping. So I'll, I'll just take, um, you know, the, uh, my, my computer with me and listen to uh, a podcast, you know, before I go, as I'm going to sleep, great things to put you to sleep to. Also, in the, when I wake up in the middle of the night, you know, of course, then rain gets busy on, you know, whatever garbage I don't need to hear about. So I just put another podcast on and listen to it and uh, I get to uh, hear recovery and 
fact, I have what I call my mermaid recovery. I'm doing this uh, cross-stitch, uh, this mermaid cross-stitch for my granddaughter. So I'm up here in the middle of the night cross-stitching this little mer this mermaid, turning out beautiful too, and listening to this uh, podcast on recovery. And it is, I'm just so relaxed and happy and it's just like, oh, this is just wonderful. So there's just many wonderful uh, ways to, um, to um, incorporate program into your daily life. And just right there in your own home without even having to move from your bed. <laughs> so thank you for letting me share. The next person is Branwyn, and I'm going to go ahead and unmute you. Hi, this question is for the first speaker. Um, I think that I've had a similar experience as you in terms of my meal plan and only eating very healthy things and then dropping a lot of weight and getting to a weight that's quite thin. And I'm wondering if you dealt with loved ones or family members being concerned about your thinness and how you dealt with it, even though maybe you felt you were doing the right thing for your program and you were at the right weight for you um, when you were eating the right amount. Thank you. And I just unmuted you, Betsy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question. Yeah, definitely. I found that when I was overweight, I would get comments about my weight and people thinking I needed to lose weight. And then I found that when I was on the skinnier side, I wouldn't say underweight because I, I you know, I've, I'm in consultation with health professionals and I, I don't think I'm underweight, but I'm lower weight than what is normally seen here. I would also get comments about, oh, you're too skinny. But I think because it's been really stable for the past five years and people see that people who know me see that I'm just kind of steadily doing the same thing for the you know past several years and that it's been helpful for my health that they kind of they're just kind of like oh, okay you know whatever you know the people at work know that I eat differently like I'm just not I'm not eating the donuts that they bring in I'm not eating the cakes and stuff and they know there's some, something is weird. They probably think there's something weird going on with what she's eating. They, they see me eating like these large, healthy lunch every day. But they, but they really don't really know. And I haven't, I haven't talked to most of them about my program and recovery because I haven't gotten a sense that they're interested in it or they're, that they're ready to, that there are compulsive readers who are ready to to think about recovery. Definitely, if I get that sense, I'll be, I'll tell them, you know, I'm, I'm an overeater. Well, actually some people at work, I have told that. But if they just don't, don't seem to have any interest in recovering, it's just my sense that I don't really talk to them about it because I don't wanna, I don't know, because I have to see them every day at work and I don't wanna just bring up um, maybe prejudice that people have against the 12 step programs and um, yeah so that, that's my experience with it you know overweight comments from people yes underweight or normal weight comments from people yes <laughs> so I think I'd rather just talk about the weight with medical professionals <laughs> 
Sandra L. from uh, Ventura, California. And I really wanted to do a 30-second spot and thank all of you, every one of you that's on this connection. I feel like it's a network of like-minded spirits. My first OA meeting was November 1st of 1977. And it was it had taken me two years to get to that meeting at, at my father's uh, when he was in alcoholic treatment. Um, they told me it's a family disease. And I said, oh no, I just took it, need to lose weight. I was, I stopped weighing at 200. I'm about five foot, five and a half. And I got to live that pamphlet. So you've lost your weight, now what? And now it's life. And I'm so grateful. I, I, I don't know how I got so lucky. Somebody told me because it was, I said my prayers. But I don't have I don't have enough love to thank you all as much as I want to. And I didn't even want to come on this. Um, a fellow in uh, Ventura here sent me a text last night saying there was going to be a comedy hour. And I thought, oh, okay. I love to laugh, especially at this disease. And uh, so I, I signed and I only paid $15 because I thought, well, I'm only going to watch a half an hour. That's my uh, deprivation and poverty consciousness uh, that I used to fill with food because anyway, most of you know everything I'm gonna say. Thank you, Betsy and the other two women, uh, Teresa, I related and, and just, I need to breathe. I'm so, I feel like I'm blasting into that dimension that was promised because here it is from November 1st to seven, uh, 77, I dropped out for three years thinking it was God that I'd been missing. No, it wasn't God. And then uh, after being at my normal, at my goal weight, thanks to CA How, for uh, 12 years, oh yeah, 12 and a half years, I left for five years and got into other fellowships, into the deep wound, um, that deep, deep community wound that that uh, this program, I'm a 12-stepper, my spiritual community I, I can call myself a 12-stepper because I'm not a double winner. I'm a pentagonal and beyond because, I, you know, I'm not just a friend of Bill W. I know the whole family because it is a family disease. And I heard for the first time, Betsy, you said the family afterward, because in a strange way that I didn't understand before, you're my family. I, I didn't, I hooked up with a husband for a short time, an alcoholic. Imagine that. And, uh, uh, and then I was, I was a free spirit traveling to South America, Europe, the Orient, because I didn't think I was pretty enough, so I better be interesting. And, uh, and I just, uh, I'm going to stop there because I'm, um, I could go on. Yes, and I think you, I feel connected to all of you in a, in a beautiful way. Thank you. All right, that is all the time we have for this session. I would like to thank Jody and Betsy and Teresa for this workshop and all those who did service that made this session possible.